Number 16. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. We're in the middle of our series, The Sins on God's Hate List. We've looked at a proud look, we've looked at a lying tongue. Tonight we're going to look at hands that shed innocent blood. Let's pray. God, I ask tonight you'd help uh, give uh, clarity of mind. And Lord, um, uh, may you speak through me. May your power uh, come through uh, my, my vocal cords and out of my mouth. But Lord, may it be your power, not my own. May it be your words, not my own. Lord, don't only anoint my, my, my mouth, but Lord, anoint the ears and the hearts of the listeners. And God, we pray that the preaching of your word would make a true and real difference. And Lord, that even tonight, the preaching of your word would save lives. Lord, even save lives for eternity. Help us, Lord, to be attentive. And Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, that you would help our country to turn from the error of its wicked ways. Help us to repent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Before I get into my introductory thoughts, the uh, structure of the message tonight, um, I'm going to give a four-point outline. And then at the end of that four-point outline, we're going to watch 23 23 minutes of a video in that video, there is going to be a lot of graphic content. Um, it involves somebody doing some interviewing out on the street. Some of the people that are interviewed uh, curse. The curse words are bleeped out and the mouth is blurred out. One individual uh, sticks up his middle finger, that's blurred out. There will be a picture of an aborted baby on the screen at one point. And there will be piles of bodies of of dead Jews on your screen. And so if those things trouble you, then you're encouraged to either close your eyes and just listen, or you would be encouraged when the lights go dim to slip out. But I want everyone to be aware of what's coming up. You say, well, Pastor, why would you show a video like that? This video um, that I'll show you in a bit grabbed me, and uh, the Lord has used it to wring my heart Uh, in a special way, and I felt, though, it was necessary for you all to see it along with me. And so we'll get to that here in a little bit. So far in this series, we have looked at the first two sins on God's hate list uh, mentioned in Proverbs 6. They're pride. Pride is brought about when when one elevates his own opinions, thoughts, and desires above God. Uh, Pride is displayed in both our actions and our attitudes. Uh, We looked at that at, at length uh, two Sunday nights ago, uh, lying was one we looked at last week. Lying is speaking that which is not pure, unadulterated truth. Lying uh, also could be defined as leading others to draw a conclusion that is not accurate or truthful. What happens when you mix or you have someone who is extremely puffed up in pride and they begin to live a life of lies. Well, I believe that a person that is filled with pride and living a life of lies is the only type of person that is capable of pushing on a country an agenda that fits what the Bible describes as the third one on the list, hands that shed innocent blood. 
Tonight's sermon is primarily going to be about the murdering of innocent life in the womb. The culture word around us would be abortion. I personally don't like the word abortion. Uh, uh, more like murder is, is what it is. But uh, we'll talk about that more in a minute. There, there are other instances in the Bible of innocent blood uh, that I want to just mention here in my introduction. And uh, some of those are you can see throughout the Bible. Deuteronomy 19 describes hot-blooded murder uh, as shedding of innocent blood. Matthew 27 verse 4 describes uh, Judas who realized that he had betrayed Jesus. And we looked at that this morning in the morning sermon. But uh, the Bible says there that Judas realized that he had betrayed innocent blood. Second uh, Kings chapter 21 and Second Kings chapter 24, we find... King Manasseh. King Manasseh. King Manasseh was guilty of uh, something many other Israeli kings and definitely uh, many, many other uh, kings of, of, uh, of, of non-godly lands or Gentile lands. And that was child sacrifice. Child sacrifice. They, uh, in fact, when you, when you flip over to Psalm 106 with me really quick. Psalm chapter number 106. I want to show you something there. Psalm 106 and verse number 38. Here's what the Bible says about child sacrifice in regards to Manasseh. It says uh, there, "...and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, when they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood." What were they doing there? What were they doing there? Well, they were taking uh, a god made out of metal. Uh, at least the lap was made out of metal. And uh, the, the, the lap, uh, the, 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 the god was in a sitting position with his legs folded crisscross or Indian style. They would set a fire in the lap of that idol representing their love for sexuality and lust. The priests of this particular god were male and female prostitutes. And those hands would hold out there also made out of metal. And as the fire was lit, those hands would get white hot, red hot, and they would take their children that were alive and they would lay those children into those hands and they would boil to death with blood-hurtling screams that would take place. That was what Israel was guilty of. Israel was guilty of the sin of child sacrifice. Manasseh put his own firstborn child into those hands thinking that he was appeasing the gods there in order to take care of them. Now, i got to say that that is grotesque and disgusting. And I, as far as I know, that kind of thing doesn't go on in America. And if it does, it goes on in some obscure corner of the woods, uh, hidden away from the public eye. And it is definitely not endorsed by uh, any government uh, authority. It's definitely not been uh, uh, endorsed or pushed by our Supreme Court as far as taking a live child and placing them in the arms uh, of, a, uh, of, a, of a God. But i got to say that basically the same thing happens in our country. Today, America is guilty of murdering babies. Murdering babies. 1973, the famous Roe v. Wade Supreme Court trial made the killing of innocent babies legal in this country. While it may be legal on the books in the U.S., it is still illegal in heaven. This has been one of the most divisive topics in this country. 
I can remember when the, uh, uh, the uh, decision came down just a couple of years ago that made uh, gay marriage legal. And I can remember how divided our country was over that. I was not around in 1973. Some of you in here were. Probably many of you in here were. But I can only imagine what that must have felt like. A punch in the spiritual gut. Not only the spiritual gut. Someone in here might say, Pastor, you should not be preaching on this. This is a political topic. And to that I would say, when our government wants to try to legislate away the Bible, then it is my duty to stand up and preach politics. Politics. They want to infringe on God's Word. They want to try to legislate in opposition to God's Word. Oh my, they have crossed the line. Many famous people have chimed in on the topic on both sides. There have been some great and powerful statements that have been made, and there have been some appalling, logic-defying statements that have also been made. Let me give you a few. Here are some of the first. Let me give you some appalling statements that are just, just bothersome. Margaret Sanger said this: "No woman can call herself free who does not control her own body." Marilyn Manson sarcastically said this: "We don't like to kill our unborn. We need to. We need them to grow up and fight our wars." You see how they don't really value life. Faye Waddleton said this, she said, Reproductive freedom is critical to a whole range of issues. Notice those first two words. Reproductive freedom. You see how the left has spun the English language in order to try to justify the killing of babies? And I would ask Miss Waddleton this, what about the freedom of the baby? What about the freedom of the baby? Oh, we want to protect reproductive freedom. We want it to where you can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with, whenever you want to sleep with them, and you can get pregnant whenever you want. And if that little uh, uh, tissue in your womb, if that inconveniences you, then you just go have it wiped out of your body and killed. Well, how about we start behaving ourselves? How about we start waiting until we're married before we're sleeping with somebody? Oh, well, that's old-fashioned. You know what? It works. Reproductive freedom is critical to a whole range of issues, she said. If we can't take uh, charge of the most personal aspect of our lives, we can't take care of anything. It should not be seen as a privilege or as a benefit, but a fundamental human right. We ought to have the right. It's our body. And i got to say, that bundle of tissue in your body, it's not a mole. It's not a flesh tag that you go to the doctor and get removed. It is a life. It is a life. You say, well, pastor, when does it become a life? The Bible tells us this. It says the life of the flesh is in the blood. It's in the blood. As soon as there's a blood flow, it's a life. It's a life. And that begins almost immediately. Now, here are some powerful quotes given on the topic. I don't know who all these people are. And the ones that I do know, I don't necessarily agree with every uh, uh, part of their life. Okay? Uh, but i got to say that on this topic, I see eyeball to eyeball with these folks. Mother Teresa said this, she said, It is poverty to decide that a child must die so that you may live as you wish. It is poverty 
to decide that a child must die so you may live as you wish. Some people say, well, uh, that child, I wouldn't be able to give it a good quality of life. Well, you should have thought of that before you uh, had that baby. Ann Ross put it this way, or before you got pregnant. Ann Ross put it this way, I certainly supported a woman's right to choose. But to my mind, the time to choose was before, not after the fact. When we consider, Elizabeth Stanton said this, when we consider that women are treated as property, it is degrading to women that we should treat our children as property to be disposed of as we see fit. I have to say that one thing about the pornography industry, it's all nasty and disgusting and awful. But the one thing it has done to our women, it is, is not liberated them, it has objectified them. You find a man who's strung out on porn, and you find a man that looks at every woman as a possible candidate. And women don't want to be somebody's property. Well, you think if you can get that respect from the world around you, and believe me, I'm for female equality. Men are not better than women. Women play a different role in society than men, and I think that women would be blessed to embrace their role and not try to be the man's role and embrace their own role. But within the world, women have their role and men have their role. And in God's eyes, we're both equally important. But if you don't want to be treated like property, women, why do you think that child should be treated like property that you can just dispose of whenever you want? Ronald Reagan said this. He said, more than a decade ago, a Supreme Court decision literally wiped off the books of 50 states Status is protecting the rights of unborn children. Abortion on demand now takes the lives of up to one and a half million unborn children a year. Human life legislation ending this tragedy will someday pass the Congress. And you and I must never rest until it does. Unless and until it can be proven that the unborn child is not a living entity then it's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It must be protected. What does abortion lead to? What does abortion lead to? I want to read you a quote here by uh, Michael Bassey Johnson. I don't know who he is, but this quote is very disturbing. It says, Just as the unwanted pregnancy, there are unwanted people in your life. You should strive to abort. And such abortion is not sin, nor harm, but the eradication of a destructive fetus. What if that baby's born? And right after it's been born, you said, oh man, I should have aborted it. Can you kill it then? Can you kill it then? Just before the service, I, I screenshotted a quote here. I want to read this to you. And uh, this is... Uh, 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 well, let me just read it here. It says, When circumstances occur after birth, such that they would have justified abortion, uh, what we call afterbirth abortion should be permissible. We propose to call this practice afterbirth abortion rather than infanticide, to emphasize that the moral status of the individual killed is comparable with that of a fetus rather than that of a child. Therefore, we claim that killing a newborn could be ethically permissible in all the circumstances where abortion would be. Such circumstances include cases where the newborn has the potential to have an at least acceptable life, but the well-being of the family is at risk. 
Where does abortion lead to? Well, it's the slippery slope argument. If you can kill a baby at uh, before 20 weeks, then you can do it after 20 weeks. And if you can do it after 20 weeks, then you can do it in the third trimester. And, and if you can have a partial birth abortion where you stick a needle in the head of a baby and you suck its brains out while the rest of the body is in still side of the mother, which is what many people push for, then why can't you abort the baby within X amount of time after it's born? You know what this leads to? This leads to euthanasia. That's what this leads to. Oh well, you know the people that are over here in the in the in the living center and and uh, they're they're just looked after head, uh, uh, all the time. It is such a waste of money to take care of them. Uh, we should just give them some medicine and just let them go to sleep for good. You know what it comes down to is these people do not value life. They do not value life. And just like uh, uh, accepting gay marriage in our society brought something else on the fringe that was quickly ramrodded down our throats, and behind that there will be something that is ramrodded behind our throats. Uh, When you accept abortion, something new moves on to the fringe, and when that moves on the fringe, it's just a matter of time till you're pushed to accept it or you're just out of the norm. And i got to say that if that makes me out of the norm, then you can just go ahead and put me out of the norm. Now, I know that here at White Oak Baptist Church, I am preaching to the choir. I don't believe there is a single person here who is for murdering a child in the womb. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question tonight. What are you doing to stop it? What are you doing to stop it? Everybody turn over to Psalm chapter 94 with me in your Bible. It is my strong opinion that either God authored this chapter to the United States of America, or, at the very least, He had the United States of America in mind while it was being authored. I really, really believe that. And I think in a few minutes as we look at the chapter, uh, you'll agree with that statement. Now, maybe it was written primarily somewhere else and secondarily to us, but I am convinced, uh, as I am standing behind this pulpit, that God had our country in mind when this chapter of the Bible was written. Uh, uh, I believe, uh, or rather tonight, I'm going to preach an impassioned sermon about what our society would label as abortion, but what God calls the shedding of innocent blood. We're going to look at four main thoughts, and then at the conclusion of it, we will, we will watch uh, that video. Let's jump right into the outline tonight. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to do that. First of all, notice number one, violent fools. Violent fools. Look down with me at Psalm chapter 94 and verse number 8 there. Psalm 94 verse 8, it says this, Understand ye brutish, that word brutish literally means stupid. Understand ye brutish among the people. Now you know why I sent the kids out. Amen? I don't want to hear their pastor say stupid. No, I'm just teasing. Understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will ye be wise? When will ye be wise? Skip down to verse number 20. Skip down, and this is where I read this and go, wow, this had to have been written to us or either with us in mind. Look at verse 20. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee? This is the psalmist talking to God, which frameth mischief by a law. Hmm. What law would that be? Look at verse 21. They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. They condemn the innocent blood. They gather themselves against the righteous and they condemn innocent blood. Now, let me make sure that I get this out of the way really early. I want to say this right now in this point is that not everyone who is for abortion, I don't believe that they're all 
violent fools. There are a lot of people who will vote for a candidate who's pro-abortion and they would never themselves go get one. And uh, there are people out there who just really haven't thought their way through it very well. And society and culture and Hollywood and the education system, they've all thrown this at them and so they have gone with the masses and gone with the flow and they're not really... The, the, the problem per se, uh, they're not helping to fix the problem, but they're not the problem. In the uh, 8.30 service, I did not use this. At the 10.45, I did. And so I'm going to lay it out real quick for those that went to the 8.30. Uh, over on this side, I believe it was this side, whatever, uh, we said 10% of the world's population over here, uh, they're hell-bent on getting people to do evil. Evil. They are aggressively pushing the laws. These are the people that pushed Roe v. Wade down our throat. These are the people that pushed the Bible and prayer to school. These are the people that pushed gay marriage in our society. These are the people pushing the LGBTQ uh, 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 whole uh, uh, culture and and that whole uh, uh, revolution on us. Ten, the, the, yeah, ten percent of the people that are pushing the way. Uh, it, it is not the majority of Americans. It's a few people that are dictating the rest. Way over here, you have ten percent of people. These are the righteous. These are the people who are against these, the, all those things over there. And they're yanking on the masses to come this way. And I believe that I'm not the only preacher in America that preaches on this topic. In fact, I know I'm not. And I know that I'm not the only Christian in the world that feels passionate about this. And you all are sitting here and many of you are just as passionate about it as I am. And, and, and churches all across this country, there are people that are passionate about this. And we are the 10% that are aggressively pushing the other way. But in the middle of the 10% and the 10%, you have the 80%. And because they were born sinners, they're facing this direction right here. This is where their natural pull is. Because they're born with a sin nature. When I talk about violent fools, I'm not talking about the 80%. Now some of them will get an abortion. And some of them will, uh, uh, some of them will uh, 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 even say things in support of that. I'm not talking about them, though. I'm talking about the 10% that's introducing this uh, in, in form of legislation and, and are pushing this through Hollywood movies and through uh, 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 satanic uh, uh, music, uh, if, and I use that term loosely, satanic music that uh, is undermining what God has laid out in Scripture. They're violent fools. Let me give you some examples here. Senator Dianne Feinstein said recently to a circuit court nominee, uh, this circuit court nominee was appointed by President Trump, and she was an Orthodox Catholic. Now, while I don't line up with the Catholic Church on much of anything, there is one area that myself and the Catholic Church, we stand wholeheartedly in line with, and that is abortion. They are against abortion. I mean, they're all out against it. And i got to say, so am I. And this lady was holding to an Orthodox Catholic position, and uh, uh, if you had gone back and read a lot of her writings, as as judges write out papers on things, dissertations on things, it was clear that that was her position. And this is what Senator Dianne Feinstein said to her in a uh, circuit court uh, nominee in in a in a interview that they had with her. There, she she said this. She said, "When you read your speeches, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you." She said, and that's of concern when you come to big issues that large numbers of people have fought for for years in this country. It was very obvious that, that those people have fought for abortion. You know what she was, Miss Feinstein was saying? Senator Feinstein was saying to this uh, Orthodox Catholic that had an impeccable record and would have served our country greatly, I'm sure. She was saying to her, since you're not for abortion, we will not let you serve in our court system. It is protect. 
It is protect at all costs. We don't want any kind of uh, argument coming up the chain and landing at the Supreme Court that would undermine what's been done. Uh, These people, what are they? They're violent fools. They're violent fools. Donald Trump told Planned Parenthood, he said right after he was elected uh, president, he said that he was going to defund them, he was going to defund Planned Parenthood unless they dropped their abortion services. Now, if you know much about Planned Parenthood, they claim they do all kinds of other things. That's really about all they do. They're not about women's health. They're about the destruction of a child in the womb. Now, within minutes, within minutes, the president of Planned Parenthood's tweeted along the lines that there was no way, no how would they ever stop performing abortions. No way, no how. Now, they claim that that's just a small percentage of what they do. Uh, there was an undercover, uh, um, and this is different than the one you're probably thinking of, but there was an undercover thing done, I heard about on the radio some months back, where a lady actually took the time to go into every single abortion, or rather Planned Parenthood clinic in the country. She took the time to go to every single one of them, and she asked simple questions about a medical, female-only medical need that she needed help with, and every single clinic said, we don't offer that here. But if you go on their website, it says that they do. But none of them offer it. None of them offer it. How many of you remember a few years back when uh, the undercover video came out uh, where Planned Parenthood execs were trying to sell aborted baby parts on the black market? You all remember that? Do you know what this is about? This is about money. Money. A A mother gently holds an infant in her arms. Planned Parenthood gently holds money. In their arms. They're making money off of this. This week, in uh, all my research and studying that I did, I found out that if there is an adoption agency near a Planned Parenthood location, Planned Parenthood will send someone to stand outside of the adoption agency and actually try to talk the mothers out of going in there and rather to come to the abortion clinic and have their baby aborted. Boy, how sick and demented do you have to be? That mother's trying to walk in there and get information about adoption because she knows she won't be ready to take care of that baby. And what does she, what do they do? They stand out there and say, you don't need to go in there. Listen, come in here and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take care of you. You know what they do? They mock the righteous. If people like Dianne Feinstein, Feinstein, People that support those causes were to listen to this sermon. You know what they would label this sermon? Hate speech. Hate speech. Why? Because they're calling good evil. They're calling evil good. We're talking about violent fools. Violent fools. When I talk about this, I'm I'm talking about the people who are pushing this and protecting this uh, from a government standpoint, but I'm also talking about the doctors. Day after day after day, they insert their instruments into the womb of a mother and they tear apart that baby and piece by piece pull that baby out of the womb. I'm talking about the nurses that are there and they help. Do you understand that these people make a whole lot of money? They make a whole lot of money to do what they do. They're part of the problem. Violent fools. I don't call an abortion doctor a doctor. I look at him as a murderer. Number two, we see vain thoughts. 
Look back with me in Psalm chapter 94 and verse number 10. The Bible says there, He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity, they're empty. Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law, uh, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity, until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance." Notice verse 11 says there that, that uh, the, the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. The vanity. We focused on the 10% over here that are aggressively pushing uh, the, the, the wicked, evil causes in this country. They are uh, morally ripping us apart limb by limb and stripping away the morals and the godliness and, and the sincerity of this country to, to love God. We talked about that crowd for a minute, talking about the violent fools. But let me focus on the 80% for just a moment. Let me talk about the vain thoughts. This crowd, as I said, they're wandering aimlessly through life. They go with what culture tells them to go. They're like sheep headed to the slaughter. They put in their earbuds and they listen to whatever the latest top hit is and uh, they enjoy the rhythm of the music and the rhythm of the music is just dumping garbage into their soul and over time that garbage changes them. They turn on the TV and whatever the top rated comedy is, they watch. They turn on the TV and whatever the top rated uh, uh, Netflix, Hulu, whatever it would be uh, uh, show uh, out for that year is, they watch and they consume it. They uh, go with and they, 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 they just go with whatever everyone tells them to. Why? Because their thoughts are vain. They're empty. They're meaningless. They don't carry a lot of value. This morning we talked about scorners. Most Americans are not advocating for and defending abortion. Most Americans are not aggressively forcing abortion and its funding on everyone else. However, however, most Americans allow themselves to be deceived into buying what the violent fools are selling. They are buying what that crowd over there is selling. You know, many university professors say it so, say it so dogmatically, so that must mean it's true. I knew a young man who grew up going to a, a contemporary type church. And uh, parents had them there all the time, just very involved in the youth group. And again, left to the way we would do things, but good church, preach the gospel, love the Lord. Uh, uh, he did uh, community outreach type things and passed out gospel tracts, all those type of things. He went off to a secular university, a big-named secular university. By the time he graduated from high school, he hardly even believed in God. He had changed his stances on just about everything. Why? Because it is the job of the professor to make the children think different than the parents. And I wonder tonight, with some of you with children, I wonder how many of that's happened to you. The children have gone away to college. Those professors have brainwashed your kids. Oh, that's their intent. That's their intent. I've known many young people who went away solidly faithful to church and then questioning even the existence of God. Because some professor or some group of professors stand up and they say it so dogmatically, so that must mean it's true. And what did Hitler tell us? If you tell a lie big enough, uh, 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 long enough, and often enough, the people will believe it. And that's exactly what happens in college. 
I'm talking about vain thoughts. I, I mean, Hollywood subtly plants it into TV shows and movies, so that means we must believe. I, uh, I'll sit down with my children sometimes and we'll watch cartoons or uh, uh, we'll even watch a, a show that either has uh, well, shows that have no cussing in it and shows that are relatively clean that come out and you find a movie that way every now and then. And it is amazing the way they slip their liberal agendas in there. Just amazing. Every movie is politicized. Every single one of them. There is a political agenda in every movie. They're trying to get you at you. Every TV show, it is this slow washing away this slow washing away of the morality of our country. And we sit here and we just drink it up. We drink it up. Look, it's bad enough that non-church-going people are watching this stuff, but Christians, can I ask you a favor? Turn the TV off. Just turn it off. If you're going to watch TV, do it carefully. But don't just turn on the TV and say, well, it's on, so it must be okay. No, it's not. That crowd over there are the ones that make the content that this crowd right here watches. They're the ones that are putting it out. Have you seen the news about this this pervert in Hollywood that was discovered and found out this week? There are a whole lot more of him over there that are making filth that we sit there and we consume. And they push the envelope, and they push the envelope, and they push the envelope. We live in a society where sex sells everything. And what happens is that our sexual promiscuous society sees people get pregnant out of wedlock and because they worship themselves and as though they are their own God and because it's not against the law, then people just go along with it. And like I said, vain means empty. Vain means empty. It isn't that they can't think meaningful thoughts on this topic. It's just that they don't and they won't. I believe the Bible says that they're, they're foolish on purpose. Professing themselves to be wise, they've become fools. Vain thoughts. Let me talk about this crowd standing over here. Let me talk for a moment about the vigilant believers. The vigilant believers. You may ask, well, well, Pastor... It, America's got, what, 300 million people in it? And I'm one of 300 million. Really, what can I do? You know what a problem in America is? We have too many people saying, what can I do? Maybe what America needs is for individuals to all stand up collectively and say, enough. Enough. Look with me at Psalm chapter 94 and verse number 16. I love these two verses. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Look at verse 17. Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. If the Lord had not helped me, I wouldn't have even penned this psalm. I wouldn't have even said a word. The Lord had to step up and help me, or I would have dwelt in silence. Do you see the temptation here? It's to dwell in silence. It's to do nothing. Part of the lies that this crowd over here pushes is, is to this crowd here. But there's a whole other bill of lies that they're selling all the way to this crowd over here. And it's this, that uh, although you don't agree with us, don't even try because you're wasting your time. You might as well not do anything because you're wasting your time. 
And i got to say tonight that you're not wasting your time. Any step you make to help stop uh, the murdering of unborn children in the, the womb of a mother, any step you take is a step in the right direction. And if more Christians would do it, oh, we can make a difference. Let me say tonight that there are things that, that uh, you can do to help uh, 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 help us as a country overcome this tragic sin. Well, let me first begin with some things that you shouldn't do. First thing I want to say is do not blow up an abortion clinic. Do not do that. You say, oh, pastor, did you need to say that? Yep. Yep. The last thing I need is one of you running out of here and blowing up an abortion clinic, and then they're coming after me. All right? Do not blow up an abortion clinic. That's not the answer. The next thing I would tell you is that uh, to kill an abortion doctor or an abortion nurse does not solve the problem. That is not what you need to do. You don't need to go after them. You don't need to belittle them or be mean to them or unkind to them. That is not the answer. You say, well, pastor, what can I do? Let me give you several things here. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The first thing that you can do is you can begin to pray for our country. You can pray for our country. You know, um, those of you in here that pray, not everyone in here prays. Statistically speaking, I'm guessing that. But most likely not everyone in here prays, and you ought to. But for those of you in here that pray, do you pray selfishly? Be with my needs and be with my family and be with my friends and help me, help me, help me, help my, help my, help me, help my. Why don't you get down on your knees daily and for long periods of time? Pray for our country. Say, God, the sin of this country is grotesque. It is wicked. Lord, our land is corrupt with innocent blood. What's old Second Chronicles 7.14 say? Most of you in here have it memorized. If my people, which are called by my name. The Old Testament, that was the Israelites. In the New Testament, that's us. Shall humble themselves. You know, that's really why a lot of us don't praise. We just don't have a humble heart. It's my schedule, my schedule, my schedule, my schedule, my energy, my energy, my energy. Will you quit that? Will you set your schedule and your energy to the side? Will you fall on your face? Will you humble yourself? Humble yourself and pray. And then go a step deeper. Don't just pray. Seek my face. Seek my face. Get down and say, Lord, I can't find you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're listening to me, but I'm going to seek you and I'm going to look for you and I'm going to look for you until I find you and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray until I know that I've gotten your attention. And I'm not getting up off my face till I know you've heard me about my country. You can pray that God, pray for God's forgiveness and you can pray for our laws in this land to change. You say, Pastor, but it's too late. Uh, America's gone and there's no hope. There's no hope. And I'm here to say, there's hope. There's hope. I shared this with some folks standing out in the lobby uh, a couple of Sunday mornings ago. And I'll share it again here because I believe it, it, it just will help us all to see this better. Do you know that America has been uh, uh, spiritually in an iniquitous way many, many times before and they have found their way back to God? 
Interestingly enough, the 1720s, 30s, that area right there, we had America's first great awakening. The 1800s, around the 20s, 30s, 40s era, you had the second great awakening. In the 1930s, Billy Sunday would go around the country and other preachers would go around the country and they would herald out the truth. They would preach against booze and alcohol. They would preach against uh, uh, lascivious lifestyles. They would herald out the Word of God and their sermons were put on the front page of the Baltimore Sun and the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times. Why? Because America was being brought back to God. Funny enough, hmm, it's 2017. Boy, 1730s, 1830s, 1930s. Could it be that a revival is about to break out? Can I tell you what the country had in all three of those other instances? Instances, it had Christians that were praying. It had Christians that did the work on their knees before America ever moved back to God. And if we're not going to get on our knees and pray for our country, how can we say that we love this country as Christians? We can pray for our country. The second thing I wrote down here is that we can fast. We can fast. Now in the Bible you have two types of fasting. You have those that intentionally choose to neglect food because they, uh, they're trying to get God's attention on a topic. And I think that's wonderful. But then you have Nehemiah fasting. Or Nehemiah lost his appetite. Maybe tonight that will happen to some of you. Through both the sermon and the video we'll watch in a minute, that God will just take your appetite away. And instead of eating, you'll use that time to fall on your face and you'll pray for this country. Wouldn't hurt if you just picked a day a week and said, I'm not eating any food. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for my country. Look, you're not going to wither away. I've seen most of you in here. You can survive a day without a meal. You'll be fine. Last time I checked my waistline, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. We need people to say, look, if they're going to work that hard and that aggressive over there to ruin our country then I'm going to work harder on this and to fix our country. We're going to have to run circles around that crowd over there if we want to see any change actually happen. The next thing I wrote down here is think about it often. Think about it often. Do you know why a sermon like this may rattle our cage a little bit? It's because we know it, but we really don't think on it. We know it, we don't think on it. We know that our country has an abortion problem. We know our country murders babies in the womb. And it bothers us when we stop and think about it. But the problem is we just don't think about it very often. I, I mentioned this morning, uh, I said that uh, but that we kind of have a it is what it is mentality. And we would never be bold enough to say that. But if you're not praying and you're not fasting, you're not walking with the Lord on this, and you're not actually aggressively trying to do something to change it, then the reality is, even though you may not like to say it, you do have a it is what it is mentality. My friend, we've got to put this in front of our mind. We've got to think about it often. How can you do that? Well, if you have a curated news feed where you get your news off the Internet through some source as I do, add to that some sort of way of getting articles about pro-life that's put in front of your eyes every day, every day, every day, and think on it. Think on it. If you don't do it on purpose, it's not going to happen. The next thing I'd say is supported option. Supported option. If you uh, meet someone who's pregnant and is struggling with a decision, listen, uh, you need to push them 
to go find an adoption agency and don't just push them. You need to put them in your car and take them there. You need to help them. The next thing I would say here is you need to consider adoption. Now, I'm not saying everybody in here needs to go adopt a baby. Um, but it wouldn't be a bad idea, would it? You say, Pastor, I'm old. Can you get one that's 12 or 13? You take, can you raise them for four or five years? You say, but Pastor, that's inconvenient. If we want to see real change, we're going to have to be willing to inconvenience ourselves. These adoption agencies are fine and all, but you know what they need? They need parents that will take the babies off their hands. The next thing I have down here is hold signs up outside an abortion clinic. Can you put that next slide up there for me, Brother Carson? Let me read those signs for you. I know these two girls here. They go to my old church in Hagerstown. It says there, the girl uh, in the foreground says, Your baby loves you. We love our mom. This is right uh, in the downtown strip of Hagerstown. They're staying right outside an abortion clinic. The little girl to the right there, her sign says, uh, there it says, My mom gave me a birthday 11 years ago today. What a great way to celebrate your children's birthday. Boy, get them a sign and stand out there. You have a First Amendment, right? They can't run you off. Nothing about me nasty to you. Refer to this morning's sermon. Hold the sign outside that abortion clinic and support that. You see the uh, car there with a, we are here to help you, abortion is dangerous. I never did stop and talk to those folks, but every day I lived in Hagerstown, that car was parked there with that leaning up against it. Every day. Every day somebody, I never went by there and that car wasn't there with that sign. And trust me, if someone wasn't watching that sign, the people inside the clinic would destroy the sign. Somebody was there to make sure that sign wouldn't get touched. And those ladies that were going in there to get an abortion, there's no telling how many people have been, how many lives have been saved based on someone standing out there and holding a sign. You say, Pastor, I'm busy. Listen, we've got to put the busy thing to the side. And if we want change in our country, Christians are going to have to rise up like an army and do something about it. As a church, I would like for us to begin to consider to seek out, and I'm going to be seeking one out, an agency that actively works to fight against abortion in this country and to do so on a government level as well as help mothers who are considering abortion. I think that would be a good spending of our mission's money. We're going to be looking into that here in the near future. The next thing I have down here is write letters to Congress. Write letters to Congress. We've got some of the most liberal senators in the, in the country. Write them letters anyway. You know what I would love? And I'm going to sit down and write them letters myself tomorrow morning. You know what I would love is that if uh, Senators, let's see, Blumenthal, what's our other Senator's name? His name escapes me off the top of my head. Murphy. Senator Murphy. There, thank you. Senator Murphy, I pray for him. I should know his name. I just had a blank there. Senator uh, Blumenthal and Murphy, I would love it if they got letters. They got 35, 40, 50 letters in the mail next week from the members of White Oak Baptist Church. Don't tell them you go to White Oak Baptist Church, okay? Just write in there that you're a citizen of the state and you want to see legislation moved that direction. Look, you say it's not going to make any difference. They're going to go in the trash. Write them anyway. Write them anyway. Listen, believe it or not, your voice is heard and it makes a difference. We've got, we've got the violent fools. We've got those that think vain thoughts. We've got the vigilant believers. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Are you busy sitting on the sidelines or are you up doing something about it? 
Number four, and lastly, we see a vengeful God. Look back with me at Psalm chapter 94 and verse 1. It says there, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth. O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Rend a reward to the poor. Turn over to look at verse 22 and 23 with me. If it's on a separate page, we'll just look down at the end of the chapter. It says there, but the Lord is my defense. And I love this. This is on the back end talking about the righteous being persecuted. Verse 20 and 21. The Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. And He shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. Now, Earlier I mentioned how you don't need to be blowing up abortion clinics or going after uh, abortion doctors or nurses. you know why? That's God's job. That's God's job. It's God's job to punish them in His way and in His time. And oh, believe me, He will. He will. It's His job to show vengeance. But it's our job to be vigilant doers, vigilant believers. At this time, I'm going to show you a video. Again, this video has got some pretty disturbing things in it, but this video is going to hammer home a very strong and convincing concept and a very strong point. Roll the tape. Have you heard of Adolf Hitler? No. You don't know who he is? No. comfort. I'm Jewish and I'm deeply concerned that a generation is forgetting one of the greatest tragedies in the history of the human race. Adolf Hitler sanctioned the murder of 11 million people, including 6 million Jews, through what's commonly called the Holocaust. In Germany, statues of Hitler are forbidden and his Nazi salute is illegal. And in Austria, if you even deny the Holocaust took place, they'll throw you in jail. Germany so wants to keep alive the memory of that horror it has mandatory Holocaust education for its children. This is because it's been rightly said that those who forget history are destined to repeat it. Adolf Hitler, what do you know about him? He was, uh, uh, what's it called? He was kind of a president. What do you know about Adolf Hitler? I really don't know anything about it. <laughs> Have you heard of Adolf Hitler? Um, nope. <laughs> Never heard of him? No. I vaguely remember him. Who was Adolf Hitler? Um, he was the guy that, and was he German? I really don't know that much about him. Who was Adolf Hitler? Um, uh, this guy with a, had a mustache. Who was Adolf Hitler? Uh, he was a communist riot leader of Germany. Who was Adolf Hitler? I don't know. You have no idea at all? No. Uh, he was a communist? Um, is he like a, a, a actor or someone? He's like something about Holocaust. 
So tell me what you know about Adolf Hitler. Uh, I don't know anything about him. You ever heard of him? No, I haven't. Who's the guy with the mustache? Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. You're about to meet Steve. As you'll see, Steve is a self-proclaimed neo-Nazi who loves Adolf Hitler, hates Jews, and people of dark skin. White people are up here, and there's and Jews. So the white man is the best man. What's the purpose of man's existence? To get drunk and have a blue mohawk. What was Jesus Christ? No, he was a Jew. And what did Jews do? They lied. Christianity is a Jewish trick. It hasn't tricked me because I'm Greek and I'm smarter than that. Spell the word shop. Shop? S-H-O-P. What do you do when you come to a green light? Stop. Green light. <laughs> See, now, if you can make a mistake with something as simple as that, yeah, that just, think, just think if you're making a mistake with this whole not. philosophy. You're making a mistake. I don't hate black people because they're black. I hate black people because they're pieces of Because they ruin every neighborhood they come into because they do bad things to my people because of the color of our skin. This country is and I hate America. Your man was ripped by a bunch of little weak Jews that were like, that couldn't stand up for themselves so that they make up a fake God to protect them because they're a weak race. Jesus was a Jew. And if you were in Auschwitz, I'd give him a tattoo. Adam Hitler was not evil. So who, what do you have to do to be evil? He killed six million Jews and blacks and, and, and gypsies and, and homosexuals. I don't believe that. I think that's a lie. I don't think he killed that many people. I love Hitler. Why? Because he wanted to cleanse the world of non-white races. Although Hitler is the uh, most famous uh, criminal in the world. Don't you think he was evil? Evil? No. No. Who was Adolf Hitler? Uh, the leader of the Nazis. He ran the fascist movement uh, in World War II, right? Good guy, bad guy? He was intelligent, but he was what he was doing was bad. Have you heard of Adolf Hitler? Yes. Yeah. What did he do? Uh, he killed a lot of people and tried to take over the world. Good guy or bad guy? Bad. I can ask you this question. It's not a racist question, but are you German? Being ein Deutschlander. Can I ask you a question? And you know what Hitler said? As he said, Christianity is a nice religion, but let's let it die out. He put the Jewish people in concentration camps. And he basically uh, brainwashed the whole German civilization into believing that Jews were evil and you needed to get rid of them. He started World War II. It's 1939. You've got a high-powered rifle and Adolf Hitler is in your sights. Do you take him out? Absolutely. Okay. So you didn't hesitate. Would you take him out? Yes. Okay, it's uh, about 30 years earlier. Um, Mrs. Hitler is pregnant with Adolf. Would you take her out? If I knew what he was going to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you shoot him? Immediately. Immediately. I would shoot him and tear him apart. 
If you go back 30 years earlier and Adolf Hitler's mother is pregnant with Adolf and you've got a high-powered rifle and you had one shot, would you take him out? Would you kill her to kill him? Oh, definitely. definitely. Uh, kill her, kill him and kill his relatives, everybody who belongs to Hitler family. Did he kill millions of Russians? Oh yeah, that's not he personally, but German army did millions and millions. Russia lost about 30 million people in the Second World War. Uh, uh, he destroyed, uh, German army destroyed uh, most of the European part of Soviet Union. Did you lose any relatives? Oh yeah, I lost my father, my grandmother, my aunt, my brother. hated Christianity. He called it a disease and once said the heaviest blow which ever struck humanity was Christianity, adding that it was an invention of the Jew. He killed or imprisoned genuine pastors and replaced them with his own Nazi pastors. He also replaced the cross with a swastika, printed a hundred thousand copies of his own twisted Bible, rewrote the Ten Commandments and then created his own Aryan, anti-Semitic, non-Jewish Jesus. But most importantly, all this sprung from the fact that Hitler had created his own image of God and was what the Bible calls an idolater. He had another God before the God of the Bible. Like Judas Iscariot, he professed to be a follower of Jesus of Nazareth, but his motive was for his own evil agenda. And that agenda was very clear. He said, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. Adolf Hitler deceived the youth of Germany. He deceived many within the traditional church. But most of all, he deceived the millions of Germans who believed his lie about the supremacy of the German race. History tells us of one man who was present when the Nazis killed 1,600 Jews on April the 6th, 1942. He witnessed them being shot and then being buried alive. I saw them do the killing. At 5 p.m. they gave the command, fill in the pits. Screams and groans were coming from the pits. Suddenly I saw my neighbor Ruderman rise from under the soil. His eyes were bloody and he was screaming, finish me off. A murdered woman lay at my feet. A boy of five years crawled out from under her body and began to scream desperately, Mommy! That was all I saw since I fell unconscious. It's 1943. A German officer has pointed a machine gun at you and told you to get in a bulldozer and drive it forward. You look in front of you, there's a big pit. Hundreds of Jewish families have been shot. 
and they're in the pits. Many of them are dead, but some of them are still alive. He's telling you to bury them alive. You know that if you say no, he's just going to say okay and shoot you with his machine oh my gun. Goodness. Okay, and someone else is going to do it. He's going to do it. Would you do what he says? I don't know. Wow, I think that's a powerful question. If you do what he says, he's going to let you live. Would you drive the bulldozer forward? No. No. Why not? They're going to die anyway. Because I'd rather die not doing that, knowing that I was a cause. Would you drive the bulldozer? Absolutely not. I think I would do it forward only because of um, the fear of my own life and feeling, fearing that I, ha I have no other choice. Would you do what he says? Absolutely. I would not. What about you? Would you drive it forward? No, I'd take the shot. Would you do what he says? Probably, yes. You just bury those Jews? Yeah, if, I, if it was me or uh, if it was my life, I would probably do that, yeah. I'd do it. Okay, what say the soldier said to you? Like, I don't want you to bury these people alive. I'm just going to give you my gun and you just finish them all off. Just shoot them. Would you do that? Now, that would be harder to do. Yeah, that would be something. It's almost more merciful to be shot than buried alive, don't you think? Oh, I think so, yeah. So you wouldn't shoot them, but you'd bury them? Yeah. What's the difference? Because I would think that most of them would be dead. That would be the... the yeah, but there's some still alive. Yeah, I would probably try to put that out of, out of my mind. Would you do what he says? Absolutely not. He may as well shoot me. If he said, uh, take my gun, we've got a dozen officers pointing their guns at you, I want you to shoot those Jews. No, dude, no, no. So you wouldn't shoot them? No. Nah, you'd bury care. them? If... The <sighs> well, then I would probably do it just to save myself and my family. If he said to you, I want you to take this machine gun and finish those Jews off, would you do that? No, I wouldn't kill anybody. I couldn't do it. But you're burying them alive, which is worse than being shot with a bullet. You're killing me, man. Um, I, that's a tough decision. Would you do what he wants? Yeah. You just drive it forward? You wouldn't hesitate? No. Would you drive it forward? No. No, I would not. Would you do what he wants? No. Why not? Well, for one, that's not morally right to me. What can one person do if just that one person got out of the bulldozer? You know what I mean? Like, then their life is, is gone, too. It's that everyone needed to rise up against him, you know? And I think that's what a lot of people, where was the world? You know, where, where was everybody? You know? Maybe everybody is made up of individuals that would say, I could never bury human beings alive. I'd rather die than do that. You value life? Of course. So you wouldn't take human life? You, you value human life? Yeah. How do you feel about abortion? Mm. It all depends. That's a tricky subject. Sounds like you value human life. I do value human life. Alicia, how do you feel about abortion? Uh, I feel that... Um, it's a, it's a woman's right to choose, and every situation is a different situation. I'm for abortion. You know, that's a tricky situation. Um, I am pro-life, but, you know, until you're... It's really easy from the outside to say, um, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, but until you're actually in that situation, there's no saying what you will do. I mean, it's really... If you're pro-life, do you believe it's a baby in the womb? Absolutely, yeah. When does it become a life? Well, it kind of does at the start, but it's not as much until after three months. This is actual footage of a baby in the womb at just six weeks, six days of age. You can clearly see the baby's eyes, hands, and heartbeat. 
There's a fetus there, not a baby. You don't think it's a baby? Not yet, not until three months. Do you think it's a baby in the womb? Yes. Okay, finish the sentence for me, okay? It's okay to kill a baby in the womb when? I don't know. Do you think it's a baby in the womb? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, finish the sentence for me. It's okay to kill a baby in the womb when? If it comes from something that shouldn't have happened. When does it become a life? <sighs> That's a tough one. I well, here's, here's a question. If, if you're in doubt, okay, I'm a, I'm a construction worker and I see a building and I say to you, I'm just going to blow up that building in a minute. Um, there's a possibility there's somebody in there I just don't know, but I'm going to blow, blow it up anyway. What would you say to me? I'm not sure if there's life in that building or not, but I'm going to blow it up anyway. Have you had an abortion? Actually, yes, I have. Do you feel guilty about it? No. What justifies the killing of a baby in a womb? If you can't support it when it comes out. I think it's better to have a plan. I think it's, you know, if you're going to do something like that, you should definitely give it much, much more thought. It's not something you should, you know, just lightly say, oh, well, let's just go do it, you know? Can you say that's like saying, look, before you bury those Jews alive, just give us some thought and then bury them alive? Can you see the, see the yeah, I see where you're going with this. Um, I guess you could say it's kind of the same thing. Here's you, Frank. You would give your life for Jews who are going to die anyway, and yet you won't speak up against the murder of children in the womb. I would like you to say, that is wrong. To kill a child in the womb, the safest place on earth is a mother's womb, and to actually go in there and destroy a, a human life. Why? For selfish reasons. Depending, I guess, right? I mean, it would depend on the reason. Well, tell me a reason for killing a baby in a womb. Well, I mean, you know, if it's rape or something like that, you know what I mean? Which is, I know, a tough decision, but that's mentally, you know, for... Why is it tough? Why would you kill the baby for the crime of the father? Which is worse, murder or rape? You're murdering a child, taking another life because of the crime of the father. Who knows when life begins? I wouldn't know. Do you think God knows when life begins? I think, yeah, probably. And do you know what the sixth commandment is? No, no. It says you shall not kill. So you should say it's never right to kill a child in the womb. And, this, and Hitler declared Jews as non-humans. And that's what you're doing when you're saying, it's not a baby until three months. That's what I think. It's very subjective. And if you're not sure, it's taking a terrible risk with somebody else's life. Imagine if someone said that about you when you were just on three months old. And they decided to kill you because of selfish reasons. I wouldn't want other people to judge me, so I wouldn't want to do that to other people. So whatever their decision is, you know, it's, on, it's, up, it's between them and God. It's their baby. Whose baby? The mother. She's got the right to kill it. If she, can't, if she feels she can't take care of it or she... Um... So that's criteria. I can't take care of this. It's going to interfere with my life. I'll kill it. Yes. Wow. You value human life? Yeah. Were you a Christian? Um, in a sense, I, I believe in God completely. So what's the sixth commandment? I don't know. You shall not kill. Why would you advocate the murder of a child in the womb if you know God says you shall not kill? You should, you should be dogmatically against the killing of children in the womb. It's the safest place on earth, a woman's womb, so why would you say it's okay to kill children in the womb? You know? There's no way that you're going to change my opinion on this because I believe it is a woman's choice. I just, I personally would not do it, but I believe it should be a choice. You know, there's all sorts of medical problems, there's all sorts of birth defects, whatever. So you know that their quality of life is going to be pretty much restrained into a 9 by 9 hospital room.
So you're saying... Do you really think that it's fair to kind of live that... You mean what type of quality of life is that? The Nazis are in front of you. They're going to kill kids with Down syndrome. They're going to kill them all. They did this. Uh-huh. You think that's okay then? No, absolutely not. They've got a bad quality of life. Definitely not. And who's to say that they have a bad quality of life? There's no possible way that that child will have a good life. So why raise that child to have a bad life? How can you make that judgment when the child's not born? Um, I can say that about any child. This child could have a bad life. I think I'll kill it. Oh. What about you? It's okay to kill a baby in the womb when? Um, when you're really messed up and you're about to beat that kid or something. We're talking about a holocaust in America, in our country, that's sanctioned by the government. Do you think it's okay to kill kids in the womb? I don't think it's okay. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think that... Um... But isn't that like what Nazi Germany was about? It's like saying, what Hitler did was wrong. I think it's his choice. I don't think it's okay, but he did it, and it was his choice to do so, and he had that sanction of the German people because they allowed him in, so it's okay, but even though it, you know, I don't agree with it. you see it's a similar thing? Uh, I guess when you put it like that, it, it is very similar, yeah. It's very similar to, to say that... Um, I guess me saying that it's okay for someone to choose is the same thing as saying it's okay for Hitler to choose. You're going to change your stance on it? Uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely making me think, yeah. I'd like you to feel like you would in Germany when Jews are being killed all around you. You'd be horrified, and we've got a holocaust in America where t- real babies are being murdered because of a woman, woman's choice, and it's legal. It's like Nazi Germany. He did it legally. He didn't do anything legally wrong. But I think in some situations... It can be necessary. I think. Do, do you think it's a baby in the womb? Yeah. So finish the sentence off for me. Killing a baby in the womb is okay when? Oh, uh, there we go. Never. <laughs> Brittany, I noticed you called it a child. So finish the sentence for me. It's okay to kill a child in the womb when? Well. Maybe it's just okay if you adopt it out and just not keep it because if somebody's not ready for it. So you're saying that you're changing your mind about yes. abortion right now? Yes. <laughs> yes. It sounds bad when you put it in that kind of word. Would you have a vote for someone who was for the killing of children in the womb? No. Well, that's great. So have you just changed your mind about abortion? Yeah. It's not something I've thought about much, but... I figured if I was ever in a situation like that, I'd just give it up for adoption if I couldn't take care of it myself, so... But I've never really thought of it like that, I guess. Isn't that great to give it up for adoption instead of killing it? Yeah. It's a wonderful option, adoption. And just as you felt strongly about the life of Jews, and we need to rise up as one person to speak against it, don't you think we need to do that when it comes to the issue of abortion? I think you have a valid point there. I never paralleled those two... um, Holocaust and abortion. Yeah. I feel like it should be allowed because it is a choice, but I feel like it, I personally will not do it. It's just. I'm making you, so you you wouldn't kill Jews, but it's okay for someone else to kill them. Yes. So what would you say to to someone like you in Germany that says, well, it's, you should never kill Jews, but I think people should have the right to do it. I don't think, oh. Because that's what yeah, you said. That, that is what that. I said, huh? Okay. So have you just changed your mind about abortion? Yes, that's I've just changed my mind about abortion. So you're going to vote differently in future? Well, when you do vote? Should, yeah. You mean that? Yeah. So you changed your mind about abortion? Yeah. When you put it that way, it does change your mind. It's never okay to kill a baby in the womb. 
Okay, so you're going to change your mind about abortion? Yes, I am. You're going to vote differently in the future? Yes, vote against abortion. It's okay to kill a baby in the womb when? In my heart, I would say never. So have you just changed your mind about abortion? Yes, I have. <laughs> you think it's a baby in the womb? Yes. So what justification is there for killing a baby in the womb? Can you think of one? Um, <laughs> for killing a baby in the womb. Um, well, I think everyone's situation is... It, it, Give me a situation where you could say, yeah, that's justifiable. You can kill that baby because of... Um, you know what? I can't think of one. I want to read... I want to read some verses for you, and then we're going to have our invitation. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongues have muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischiefs and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of the eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.